0: Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Today's message title is This The Lie in Lust. The Lie is in Lust. It's going to be fun, y'all. It's going to be fun. Proverbs chapter 5 says this, 5 verses 1 through 6. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood sharp as two-edged sword, her feet go down to death, the death, to death, her steps follow the path of Sheol, she does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander, and she does not know it. So this is a poem <clears throat> written in a poem format, but it has a strong message in here, here and we're going to talk a little bit about it today. Let me ask you this, when you fantasize about something that seems good to you at the moment, do you ever consider how bad it could get? The bad side of it, the dark side of it. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, the Mega Million jackpot hit a billion, crossed a billion dollar mark. And everybody was talking about it, it was on the news. People who never talked about the lottery were buying tickets. I think there was one company that bought 50,000 tickets, one per, per employee, saying that they were going to divide the winnings between every employee. No doubt some of you bought tickets here. I'm not, not going to ask. Uh, but I believe there was a sole winner in Illinois that, that took the jackpot. But imagine that you won. Imagine that you won that—that that, what was I think it was what 1.2 billion dollars. What would you do with it after you tied? <laughs> have to slide that in there. <laughs> Got to sanctify your gambling, people. <laughs> See, most of us have contemplated a situation like that. What we would do if we came into significant wealth start imagining what could happen and what you would do certainly you would pay off debts you would maybe buy a house if you don't have one or upgrade your house travel the world help the family contribute to a cause I've heard several people say uh, to us if I ever win lottery or this prize or the first thing I'm buying is I'm buying the church a building I'm like hey, amen I'll take that <laughs> I think that's good why? Because most of the time, our heart is in the right place. We want to do good. We intend to do good. But what about everything that could go bad that we don't always anticipate? Think about it. If you want, you now have access, instant access to so much. Immediately, you have opportunities that you've never had. You now have people knocking on your door daily to help you to offer you a service, right? Immediately, the level of temptation you face is multiplied by 100 because now it's not just a dream. Now it's not just fantasy. You can do whatever you want. You really have access and the ability to do whatever you want. Every pleasure, every lust, everything you can afford to do. Your relationships will also change. Because your day-to-day will be different. The places you go will be different. Your spending ability will be different. You'll be at a higher bracket. bracket, And you might say, no, JD, I'm going to be the same person, live in the same house, go to the same restaurants. And I'll tell you, you know, just the first time you fly in first class, (laughs) the first time you taste that filet mignon, you'll be like, I'm going to eat this every day. See, it's my estimation that most people really can't afford to win the lottery today because they have more to lose than they have to gain. I'm not saying that you shouldn't gain wealth, that you shouldn't be rich. I'm not saying that you shouldn't desire to grow. My point is that when we fantasize about some immediate change, typically we don't consider the negative. We only consider the benefits. We dream about the benefits. We envision the good in it. Not the pitfalls. And that's how the fantasy world imagination works. That's why it's better to grow steadily. It's better to grow at a healthy pace. To be transformed consistently. Than trying to reach what you're looking at or what you're aiming at instantly. Because as you grow, you learn to handle it. As you grow, you learn how to... to stabilizing. In fact, this is a great healthy cycle of growth. You grow, and then you plateau for a season to adjust and assimilate. And then you grow again, and then you plateau for a season to adjust and assimilate. And that's a healthy rhythm of growth. And essentially, that's what chapter 5 of Proverbs deals with in a very intimate part of our lives. See, there's always a lie hidden in every lust. There's always a trap. And in the passage we just read, the father introduces their young son to the temptations that he is about to face. Now, I shared with you this, that the father here is a type of God. The mother in this scripture from chapter 1 on is a type of God. It's the image of God as a father and a mother. And the son is every single one of us. This is not gender specific. This is for all of us. So you can see yourself in the life of the son. And when it comes to this specific kind of temptation, physical attraction, physical intimacy, going all the way to pursue that kind of exhilaration and excitement that your mind anticipates and imagines the father is saying, "My son, don't fall for it. It's a trap. There is so much good in the scripture when it comes to how we should live in this area. There's so much good and, and, and so much good instruction in how we should live as people. There's hope for your marriage, there's hope for your relationships. There is hope for love, for longevity, for fidelity, for romance. In fact, there's an entire book in the scripture dedicated to romance. The story of a, of a couple, a, a king uh, who is, uh, falls in love with this unlikely bride. There's so much good counsel to set up a great foundation for your life and your intimate life. And this teaching in Proverbs 5 is a great one. Because it's a teaching that is preventative. See, some of us, we came to Christ because we were hurt. We came to God because there was pain that needed healing. And that was our way in. Fantastic. It's beautiful. God heals. He's a healer. And He heals us from our pain. And He, he sets us on a good course. But the the most of the work that you do from then on is preventative. It's It's... Work that gives us the vision and and the awareness before the fall. Before we uh, fall into temptation. And this passage in Proverbs is not about healing your soul. It's about keeping yourself from pain and keeping yourself from regret. And that's what I love about God. Because God's intention throughout the scripture is consistent. Consistent. It's always consistent. I love you so much. I don't want you to perish. I love you so much. I want you to have eternal life. I want you to have everlasting life. I love you so much. I sent you my son. I love you so much. I sent you my spirit to guide you and to tell you things that you don't know. To preserve you. Now some of you, you've been hurt in this area of relationships. Your heart's been broken in the past. And you've you've walked through the process of trying to pick yourself back up again. Like I said, God is a healer. But I want to encourage you today with the fact that God, He wants to lead you toward green pastures. Meaning He wants to guide your life in a way that it will give you wisdom to make the right decisions. Give you wisdom to to decide and to, and to uh, live right. And more and more in this day and age, especially when it comes to physical intimacy, when it comes to our relationship with others, we need to make this decision early on. Especially if you're younger, like high school, college age, we have to decide whether we're going to follow the way of God or we're going to follow the way of the world. More and more, this decision has to be clear. Because more and more, the divide between God's way of living in this area and the world's way of living only, is only growing. That divide is only increasing. So if you want to live God's way, if you want to keep your heart from the pitfalls of lust, where do you start? Well, there's a lot that the Scripture has to have to say, but I'm going to start with the words of Jesus. Let's look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. This is what Jesus said. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So Jesus is making a point here. This is part of a teaching. Uh, He's being criticized because... His disciples were eating without washing their hands first. And uh, this was a big sin, a big no-no back in those days. And Jesus is basically calling the teachers out and he's saying, Hey, you're majoring on the minors. You're really focusing on the, the wrong thing. Sure, washing your hands is good, but it's not, it's not as important as the heart. And so part of this teaching, and part of this teaching, Jesus uh, in the process of exposing their flaws, he, he makes a simple and powerful statement that, that adultery, sexual immorality, and these other things that he, that he lists, false witness, slander, uh, murder, these things defile, defile you. These things are wrong, and that these things start in the heart. Listen to what James writes. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. I, first time I read this passage, I was a teenager. And it was always interesting to me, the sequence of events. But as I grew older... And as I started experiencing life, this kind of became the anatomy of sin. It always happens this way, doesn't it? So let me contextualize for you in the subject at hand for a little bit, right? So let's imagine like you, you have a desire. You have a desire for someone, you have a desire for a person. It's not a negative desire, it's not a desire for you to betray somebody, to cheat, to get involved with a bad person, start an affair. That's not your desire. You're first enticed by something that presents itself as good. It's usually good in your head. It's innocent in your mind. A friendship, affection, being there for someone. Whatever your thing is, we all have a thing, right? Whatever your thing is, you will see that there's this pseudo-innocence to do good, this pseudo-good. And so, if you're the nurturing kind, you're going to want to reach out and care. If you're the loving kind, you're going to want to show affection. You want to, you want to, you're going to want to make someone else feel special. Whether or not you're aware that that could lead to something wrong. And I'm talking about a relationship here that shouldn't cross the line. Right? At this point, you're not committed to crossing the line. At this point, you just want to do your thing. You just want to be good. You want to be appreciated. You want to be that awesome guy, that awesome girl. At this point, you probably don't have an affair in your mind. You don't have betraying anybody in your head. You're, not fully, you're fully committed to not crossing the line. You, don't even, you try not to think about it. All you have at this point is the desire for that person to see how, how great you are. And then you try to manage that desire, to not become inappropriate, to be, stay within what is acceptable. Then comes physical attraction. She's agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> then comes physical attraction. It doesn't hurt to flirt a little bit. I'm just being kind. I can't help it if I'm beautiful. I can't help it if I'm so charming. Right? And then at some point in that process when you're comfortable with it and your guards are down, comes a temptation. A thought. An idea. And you have the opportunity to take the next step. It might not be a big step. It might be a short step. A touch. An embrace. Being there in a moment of Weakness and sin presents itself. But it presents itself not as sin. It presents itself like it did Adam and Eve. Like a beautiful, gorgeous fruit that is good for your soul. And you you can only see the good in it. Like we were talking about in the beginning. You don't anticipate how horrible things could get. It's pleasant to the eye. And in that moment, if you don't have the Spirit of God, If you don't have discernment, if you don't have the voice of God in you, you will have temporary blindness. You will not be able to see the train wreck that is about to unfold. All you will see is the dripping of honey that Proverbs talks about. See, James and Proverbs, they're talking about the same thing. James says, sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. But what we don't realize sometimes is that it takes time for certain sins to grow. It takes time. They don't always present themselves as what they are. Lust doesn't show its lies right away. That's why Proverbs says, Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander. She does not know it. What is the scripture saying? It just happened. We didn't plan for it. It just happened. We fell out of love. We fell in love. It just happened. You can't blame anybody. It just happened. Her feet does not know it. She is walking to death. This is so important. The reality is that when it comes to this kind of temptation especially when it comes to us gentlemen, the men. It happens to everybody, but especially for us. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how often. How often are we tempted? How often are we exposed to this kind of temptation? How often is the enemy sowing seeds of doubt in your life? How often are we presented with opportunities to make Bad and regrettable decisions that at the time seem innocent. I believe God is giving some of us here today an opportunity to wake up, to see what you're involved in for what it is before it's too late. There are certain relationships that you might need to distance yourself from, there are certain people that you need to stop texting. They're coming after you, they're pursuing you, and it makes you feel good, but it's not good. There are certain conversations that you need to stop having. It's just not building you up. It's not building your marriage up. It's not building your relationships up. It's not building the life that God has for you. And the enemy will fight you in this area. He will fight you in the, in the, in the foundations of your life that God established that, that, that cause you to flourish. He will try to destroy those foundations. And one of the strongest foundations, the greatest gift that God can give you is a healthy family, a healthy marriage. He will fight you right there. Fight your home life, your marriage, your singleness, your sexuality, your relationships. He will fight you there. So how do you prevent these things from happening? One thing worth noting, observing is this. Before the son ever saw the woman... Before she ever spoke to him, the father's given the son his son counsel. He's saying, listen, son. The lips of the woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. It's going to sound good. It's going to feel good. You're going to think it's good. But it won't be good for you. It's going to end up badly. In other words, listen, son you'll be seduced and lured and presented with the kind of attraction that is not good for you. It's going to awaken things in you that is not going to produce good. Listen, daughter, it goes both ways, right? You will be lured and presented with the kind of attraction that's just not good for you. It's not good. That guy who said, says what you want to hear, that boy that's full of charm and a little bit bad, not going to be good. So when temptation comes, this is the first practical counsel that I have for you today from Proverbs 5. Bring it to light. It's important to bring it to light, to not let it fester in darkness, but bring it to light. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote the church in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Uh, the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 13 say this, Take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but have you ever had a thought that sounded so good in your head, but then the moment you said it, it wasn't so good. Some of you get in trouble for it. Because you are vocal processors and then you say it and you're like, ah, I didn't mean it to come out like that. That happens to us all the time, right? Something happens. Why? Because something happens when you bring things to light. You see that thing for what it is and sometimes you can think about things like, this is specifically for all of us here, right? Men, women, husbands, wives. You can, you can think about things in your head but when you speak it You can see how ridiculous that is, how horrible it is. So don't wait until it's too late. If there's trouble nearby, if you have the opportunity to cross the line and to be tempted to do so, and you're tempted to do so, bring it to light. Find someone you can talk to. Find somebody here in these circles that you're a part of, that you can talk to, that you can say, hey, I've been having these thoughts and I don't like it but I'm really tempted. And bring it to light. You will see the transformation that happens. See, when you're dealing with lustful thoughts for somebody you shouldn't, maybe somebody who's already committed, and you begin to give yourself to them more and more, bring them to light. And consider how bad things could get, because that's what happens when you bring things to light. You start to see the other side, the side that you, you don't see when things are... Um, kept in darkness and this is very important to parents parents you don't want temptation to strike your children or for things to happen before you talk talk to your children about these things it's incredible how much faster our children are growing in this generation man my daughter is being she's 11 and she's getting exposed to things that it took me a few a few more years to be exposed to She's headed into middle school. We're not behind the curve. We're ahead of the curve with her. We're talking about everything. We're explaining things to her. And we're explaining where we stand. This is our standard of living. Not everybody has our standard. Not everybody lives by our principles. But here is why this is the right way. Here's why this is the truth. And I'll give you a solid foundation. And you can ask. You can question. You can push back. You have Every freedom to push back and do it here in the the circle of of our house. We're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss it. We're going to press the buttons. We're going to push on it because I want her spirit to be strong in the matters that matter so that when she does face a a challenge, and this is going to be true with our youngest ones too, when she does come to the point where these things face her, it's not the first time. We already heard about this. We already talked about this. We already processed this. See, But the world doesn't want these things to happen. The world doesn't want parents to lead and guide and disciple and instruct their children. The, the, the voice of the world is you got to let them explore. You have to learn from them. And it, it's similar. Imagine this, right? I took my daughter to my eldest to Brazil. I was born in Brazil. And I took her to Brazil for the first time in March, right? And I'm in that town that I was born. It's been a long time since I've been there, but I still remember the locations, the neighborhoods, the places. She's never been there. She doesn't speak the language. She doesn't know anybody. And imagine if I just went like, I don't want to damage your experience here in Brazil. So you go. You do whatever you want. Talk to whomever you want. Go to whatever neighborhood you want, even though I know the places that you shouldn't go. Just go. Experience. Explore. Because I don't want to dampen your experience in the world. How ridiculous is that? How bad would that be for her? No. I know where she should go. I know where she shouldn't go. I know the places that would be good for her. I know the places that wouldn't be good for her. Why? Because I've been there. And that's the beauty of parenting. We can share our experience, we can share from our victories, and we can share from our losses so that our children don't, won't have to go through the same things. And this is important because that's true wisdom. Wisdom is learning from somebody else's mistake so that you don't have to make the same mistakes, so that every generation can grow and be better. So I encourage you your parents to Guide your children in every area of their lives, specifically also in this area. Second thing that is important for us to keep in mind when temptation comes. This is a spiritual foundation, a, a Christian foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16-20 to say this, But he who has joined the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside of the body, A person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person uh, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Verse 20. Listen to this. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This sounds a little weird, right? Like your body is not your own. Your body is God's. And This sounds a little counterintuitive. But that's the second point. Your body is God's. But of course it is. Think about it. Just give a little bit of thought to it. Everything you do on earth takes your body to be there. Like you're here today. You had to drag your body here for you to be here today. You couldn't come without your body, right? Everywhere you go, if you want to go to watch a movie... If you're going to go watch a movie, you're either going to take yourself to your, your body to your living room, sit on your couch, point your head to the TV so you can watch it, or you're going to go to the movie theater and meet somebody there, right? It takes your body for you to experience everything that you experience. If you want to learn a new skill, you take your body with you to learn that skill. Everything we do takes our body why? because our body is the portal and the executor of our experiences and our ideas. So we have to be mindful what we put our body through. We have to be mindful where we go, how, how we experience life. Can you say that your life is God's, but you keep your body from that experience? No. With your body, you kneel. With your body, you pray. With your body, you go to church. With your body, you go to connect group. And you high-five Austin and Sarah. With your body, you flee from sin. We show in our bodies that we are wise. At work, at church, at parties. Let me ask you this. is Is it wise for a young woman who's alone at a party with a bunch of strangers to drink until she's drunk? No. No. It's not wise, right? Is it wise to take substances and put substances in your body that you know is going to cause you to do things that you shouldn't do with other people that probably are doing the same thing. No, it's not wise to do that. And that's what Paul is writing. It's a very practical writing. He's saying, if you follow Christ, you got to give, you got to think about what you do with your body. You got to give your whole self and aim your life toward what's great, including your body. Aim your life to what's beautiful, Because that's what God has for you. A beautiful, wholesome, godly life. So let your bodies reflect that and honor God with it. And the last part, the last thing that I want to tell you today is this. Third part is that discipline will save your life. We're going to read from Proverbs, our last passage, chapter 5. And I'm starting on verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. And he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Discipline will save your life. It's important that you have discipline in this area. Men, women, single, married. It's so important that you have discipline in the area of lust because it can take you off course so fast and one area in this last portion that I want to encourage you with is to discipline your eyes have discipline in what you see see scripture says Jesus said this that your eyes are the lamp of your body and if your light is darkness how great is your darkness I want to encourage you to be mindful on what you put in front of your eyes. Set boundaries for your life. Set guardrails so that you ponder, you see, you, you literally see, but also in your mind, you see and envision what is good, what is holy, what is wholesome, what is positive, that which builds your family life, that which builds your marriage, that which builds your relationship with your kids, that which builds a healthy life for you and for those you love because that's what God has for you. God wants you to live a healthy, strong life in wisdom. So if you do these three things, if you bring lust to light, if you honor God with your body, and if you discipline your eyes, I believe you will keep your heart from sin. It'll be a preventative thing in your life, and you will expose the lies of the enemy. And you'll resist every trap that the enemy puts in front of you, and God will lead you to live a life of purity, a life that is free from any bondage and every trap and any trappings. In Jesus' name, do you believe it? Do you receive it this morning? And do you believe it? Amen. I want to pray for you today. You're going to come uh, play the harp. I wanna pray for you today. Maybe you have things in your heart that you need to let go. And I'm not gonna ask you to say anything out loud, but just see in your heart, you need to make a commitment to God today that today is a day of change in your life. Maybe you've given your mind and your eyes to things that you shouldn't. Maybe you've entertained relationships and nobody knows. Maybe you've been spending time looking at wrong things. Things that are not building you you up. They're not building your marriage up. They're not building your life. They're not building the course of the life that God has for you. And you know it. And it's weighing you down. But you're too embarrassed to talk to anyone about it. I want to ask you to give it to God today. In this moment, this is a day of change for you. So I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes if you don't mind. And for a moment, just in your own spirit, You don't have to say it out loud, but under your breath, you say, God, I give this to you. I release this from my life. I don't want to be chained to this. God, I want freedom. I want deliverance. God, I don't want to pursue this relationship. Just in your own heart, release it and let go. Give it to God and receive his strength this moment. Let me pray for you, God. You see every heart. You see every situation, you see every relationship, every marriage, every home life. You see every person here, Lord, who came to this place to connect to you and to look to you. Father, we give you our troubles this morning. And we release from our heart all of these things that the enemy has tried to attach us to. God, we let go of the wrong relationships. We let go of the wrong things we've been nurturing in our hearts. And we receive from you the strength to live free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.